0: Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Sage. I'm here in studio with my good friend, Mike Cross, uh, from Free on the Outside Church Ministry and, you know, uh, prison ministry, and it got, got a lot of things going on there. <laughs> and, um, well, you're going to enjoy this particular podcast. If you uh, love uh, stories of redemption, if you love, successor of an entrepreneur, particularly a social entrepreneur. If you love hearing about um how recovery and the opportunity for people to get a second chance in life, you're gonna enjoy this podcast. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Uh Pastor Mike Cross is the pastor of the church called Fair on the Outside and the and the ministry uh that carries that same name that works with um, individuals who have been incarcerated and not only getting back to society, but more importantly, helping them to, uh, to be housed and be cared for through their residential housing program uh, that uh, with a, a sustainable model. Uh, and so, so it's an exciting program that we're very excited about that he's, he's been experiencing tremendous growth uh, and is based right here in Oregon uh, and I'm sure he has a vision to even go beyond that. Well, Pastor Mike, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Patrice. I'm really happy to be here.
0: All right. What I also didn't say is that Pastor Mike is also a biblical entrepreneur. He's uh, he's uh, he's he's actually a graduate of the biblical entrepreneurship program. And th- did you win first place or third. third third place? He won third place at the business plan competition several years ago. Uh, and and we've had a chance to visit his facilities. Are uh, just incredible. And and I think you are also a donor on record. I think you guys also help sponsor entrepreneurs as well. Is is that at least I saw your name there on our on our list? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you, man, for your support. Oh, a little bit goes a long way, my friend. Thank you, man, for that. And that actually reminds me. Um, that I'm gonna to talk to my team every year. Nehemiah ties to other ministry. We had to add, add uh, you know, around fourth quarter. We had to add free on the outside to that list um, because, of course, who sh- who should we help more than our very own? Um, and so we'll we'll do that. Now, uh, Pastor Mike, uh, you've had a an amazing ride, but your journey did not begin with glimmer and gold no so let's go a bit um kind of how what led to you starting this particular kind of ministry free on the after before we get to that what is free on the outside
1: so free on the outside the name was created by two guys i was working with that had been in prison incarcerated and had gotten out and uh there's a lot of tension between what it's like to live on the inside of a prison or jail, and what it's like to be on the outside, and so they came up with the name "Free on the Outside," um, and so that's that's kind of how the how the nonprofit "Free on the Outside" went. I love out. it.
0: So it's almost yeah. uh, the the idea is that you can be physically free, but not necessarily free. Is that kind of the idea?
1: I guess. <laughs> I was going to have something like free in Christ or, you know, some, <laughs> a little more spiritual sounding, Yeah, uh, it made a lot of sense. And it made it, and the longer I do it, the more sense it makes that people when they get out of jail or prison or drug and alcohol treatment, um, they have to find some kind of support in the community and they call it kind of the outsider. A lot of times they call it the streets, what it's like on the streets. And so, we offer that we offer that freedom and that recovery for people when they awesome. uh, when they come home.
0: So you, in yeah. a sense, you, also, you offer those who have been physically free the opportunity to have true freedom. Yes. And you and I both know that that many of us who have never been to uh, been incarcerated that are not free on the outside.
1: No, they're not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so brother, once. Once you're done with those who've been incarcerated, we need we need something like this for some of us who've never been incarcerated. Because Lord, we know we you know we need free, we need to be free on the outside. Yeah,
1: yeah so we have a, another program we offer called Celebrate Recovery. That's a nationwide. There's Celebrate Recoveries in every state, every city in the in America, and uh, we have a very active Celebrate Recovery. And we I personally believe every person should go through a Celebrate Recovery 12 step program, uh, Christ-centered and uh, Christ-centered 12 step program that that brings about true healing and restoration in anyone's life because all of us have gone through difficult times and can use you him healing.
0: You made an interesting statement. You said every person should go to... So, for instance, I don't drink. But you believe that even those of us who don't drink and never never been a drinker, uh though I tried when I was in high school, you know you know you high school, a lot of people sure and 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 then That's my right. thing was the wine cooler, I didn't like the taste of beer, and even that turned me off, so I'm a weirdo so but but you say so why would someone like me who doesn't drink go through cellular recovery what what would the benefit be
1: so any time there's a lot so anytime um God has done amazing things in your life uh there's also been amazing journeys he's taking you through mm-hmm. and some of those journeys are difficult so the mantra for like celebrate recovery is hurts habits and hang-ups every one of us have struggled with some of those things and so more than half the people that come to celebrate recovery uh, don't have alcohol and drug problems they have relationship problems um, childhood abandonment childhood abuse um, uh, financial problems um, sexual problems uh, all lot of Um, gambling, lots of different issues, and they all find recovery and restoration at Celebrate Recovery. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then Free on the Outside is a collection of community that come free people from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different struggles.
0: Wow, that's powerful. You know, it reminds me, my oldest daughter, who have become a great advocate for uh, therapy and counseling. Uh, she, she's 20 years old uh, she said daddy everyone should go through therapy yes she, she 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 even said she says you and mom should go through therapy she said she said, because she said because many of us as you said we have issues um but we we and so we go through life with with these uh with trauma yes and that we never get a chance to deal with it and so only those who end up in therapy are those who the trauma makes them dysfunctional. It's almost like, you know, like that car that, um, that's messed up, but you can't tell because it's still driving, Yeah. right? And yeah. so many of us, uh, many of us go to therapy because our cars have, um, you know, uh, have broke along the street, right? So we f- were forced to go to. but um, there are some people Who who are whose cars running, but they're not they're not they're dysfunctional, but they can't tell because they've learned to be normal. I mean, is that the same thing? Because my daughter, she says, everybody needs therapy.
1: Yeah, yeah. We it 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 really is true. Uh we we have people that come visit celebrate recovery or come visit free on the outside thinking they're just gonna come support someone else because they don't need any help. And the longer they're there, the more problems they realize they have. <laughs> and, and well things things come to the surface and things are exposed and they start to realize they really need this and they when they especially when they start actually doing the homework and doing the 12 step program um with sober recovery all kinds of healing takes place.
0: Ah, amen. Amen.
1: The, and people that didn't think they needed it. People people that came there, you know, just for someone else or whatever uh, end up staying for years and experience all kinds of healing.
0: Wow. Wow. Yep. Thank you for that. Uh thank you, Jennifer, for your correction. Jennifer's with us here. Jennifer Mears. Thank you, Jennifer. So Hi, so Jennifer. My, I, So I um I, I I went through your website. So my first, when did you go to Book Entrepreneurship? What year was it? You remember?
1: That's a really good question.
0: Yeah. I think um, three years I, ago or four. Was it I three or four? I think it
1: was three years ago.
0: Three years ago. I want to say
1: 2018.
0: Okay. And then you won third place of the, of the business plan competition.
1: Yes. The international right? competition.
0: Uh, international, international competition. You won, you, you won Oregon, the, you won first place in Oregon in the U S and then you went to the national. Um, and first of all, how was that experience for you? How was the experience of biblical entrepreneurship for you?
1: So I took biblical entrepreneurship because our ministry was growing and I had ministry experience, but I didn't have any business experience, and so I wanted to learn how to run our lead, our nonprofit, in a more healthy way. And so it really helped me. And um, going to the competition um, for me, it really wasn't competition; it was just completing the program and doing my doing my best. Um, I I uh, I would have taken first, but I really liked the other people that were there from other countries. And I, and I, and I wanted them to win.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to, to really, really be honest, um, the, just the experience and the education and things I learned through the Nehemiah Project were enough for me. I didn't really, our business was up and running and we didn't really need the, you know, we really didn't need money. We needed support and experience. Wow. And so, yeah.
0: What um, was the biggest thing out of that? That had the greatest impact on you from what you learned from the program.
1: I think just come, just learning to, to kind of write a business plan and making some goals and setting things down on paper. Um, you know, a budget and some and some structure uh, really helped. Really helped me. Um, our, you know, at the, so in 2018, according to the business plan model we came up with, we were going to go from two houses to. 18 houses by the, by the end of the year, 2022. And that, so that business model was in mind. And I shared that vision with our community and with the, with the Nehemiah project. And then um, uh, what's happened now at the end of 2020. So it's only been three years. Um, we have now opened eight. We now have eight, 19 houses. And wow. so, we're, so we're, we're opening, fa- opening uh, our business is growing faster than we projected.
0: Wow. So you went from two houses to 19. Yes, in 3 years. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible.
1: That's yeah, <laughs> how many
0: and how many residents?
1: We have a little over 180 residents now. Oh my
0: lord. How many residents do you have back then?
1: Uh 26, about 30 30.
0: So from 30 residents to 180. Wow. What an incredible. Right here in I, Jennifer, I agree with you. Uh, I, you know, representing, hey amen. Jennifer was there at the business of the competition. I wonder if Jennifer was one of the judges. I'm not sure. But that's an incredible story. That's an incredible. Work. So, Mike, after he took biblical entrepreneurship, he went from three houses to, I'm sorry, two houses to 19 within three years and he went from 30 residents to 180 residents what an incredible we, local success story
1: we actually opened i think two homes during my uh biblical entrent, um, t- during my classes i think we opened two houses
0: so the two houses were opened during the class while you were in the class no no no
1: we had the we had the first two already
0: but okay. we are but we opened so while two. You were in the class you opened two of the, yeah. of, the, of the 19 that you opened Yes that's an incredible success story that's powerful yeah. so i uh, <clears throat> i I went to you well before I go there were you so so you go to this competition and were you surprised that you were among the first three obviously you let the other two win were you how, do, how was it for you when you finally were among the top three?
1: Well, I didn't expect to win. Uh, any competition I was just busy and trying to complete the class and so I did my presentation not realizing that I was competing I was just trying to to complete the course And when when I got I had to leave a little early and when I I got a call this and I won the competition I was I was like I did what (laughs) and so So it was like a whole new door opened up and it was like, Oh, I better, I better take this seriously. Um, (laughs) You know? And so when I went to the international competition uh, for me, the business part of it was really important, but it was um, telling the story of freeing the outside and telling the story of my own redemption and Mm. and the doors got it opened. That was significant to me. And then finding people from other places in the world that said, um, you know, we could. We really need something like that in our community. There's nothing for people like that in our community. It opened a a, a vision, I guess, in my on, in my life that what we're doing is is can be sustainable, can help other communities. It can be a business model that can be used to help people around the world, not just in Portland.
0: And Mike and I heard from some of the the contenders. You guys became fast friends. I mean, many of them were cheering for you. What was it about you and your story that that cut the heart of so many?
1: I think it's just redemption that mm-hmm. God can take our pain in our past and heal us up and use it for good to help other people.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah. At a time where the nation is so divided, it is awesome to hear these kind of stories. So, so, so I went to your website. So, by the way, if you want to know more about Free on the Outside, go to freeontheoutside.org. Freeontheoutside.org.
1: We're Um, we're in the process, by the way, of of uh, um, rebranding and updating our website.
0: Oh, I'm glad to hear that, Mike, because I I, I
1: thought
0: that that website didn't reflect, you know. uh, It doesn't. I thought it was the wrong website, but but you know (laughs) what? Do not despise small beginnings. Amen. (laughs) I love it. So. Um, so if if you go to our website, a couple of things I want I want to hear your thoughts, uh, Mike, and then I'm going to go back to the beginning. Yes. So you are actually a church.
1: We have a church, yes.
0: Okay, so you have a church. Tell us about the church.
1: So our church um, came into existence in 2008 when I was a volunteer working with Prison Fellowship for with two with two guys that had gotten out of prison, and because they had a sex offense, they weren't allowed to go to any other church. And so, so we started what's called an adult only or over 18 church. Mm -hmm. And so people can come to our church directly out of prison or jail, no matter what their background. Um, We know we have people there that are, do have a sex offense, but we also have people there from all kinds of different backgrounds and, and people in recovery and people from the community that love, just love to be there. But probably 50% of the people in our church have been to prison.
0: Wow. So you you make some, so that audience can understand. So why was it important for this church to be 18 and older and that to us?
1: So, because if someone comes out of prison with a sex offense, they're not allowed to be at a place where children congregate. So they can't be around a Sunday school class or a, a normal functioning church that has families there. And so we make it a safe environment for the community and for the offender.
0: That is incredible. Wow. Yeah. And so essentially these individuals, they either don't go to church or they have to be do church from home or small group where they are not children. But you provide now a safe environment for them to actually have community.
1: Yeah. And and um, we not only do we have a like a church service, but we have they can come to our celebrate recovery they can come to our campouts. They can celebrate all the holidays, all the meals, a whole community that's just no one under 18 there.
0: Uh, uh, Pastor Mike, how, how important is that to an ex-offender to have that kind of community? What does that do for them?
1: It's probably the most important thing in their life uh, mm-hmm. because they find acceptance and they find grace that they never thought they would find when they were incarcerated.
0: Wow, wow. That's big part of it.
1: We've had people say, "I didn't want to get out of prison. I didn't want to come back to the community because I know that I know how the world looks at people with my background, and I would not be accepted there. And um, and so, when they came and they find acceptance and grace, and it's safe, and they find a place to live, they begin to get their life back. And for the for they and they for the first time in their life, at least since since um, they were incarcerated, they have hope." Wow. And, and they've never had that. They never had any hope before. And so it's it's really life-changing and uh, meaningful to the people that, that come through the doors.
0: Incredible. We're talking to Pastor Mike Cross. He's the founder and uh, executive director of Free on the Outside, yep. a ministry uh, that was started right here in Oregon. Uh, how many years ago, uh, Pastor Mike? Two thousand eight. Two thousand and eight. Wow, two thousand and eight. And um and in two thousand and eighteen, he went through he had two houses at that point to build entrepreneurship. And since it has grown to nineteen houses and gone from serving third residents to 180 residents, they provide a church service and housing to ex offenders looking for both community and housing. So so Could- so you go go ahead. That's
1: I'm sorry. Um, so, in our growth, we've also opened women's houses, women with children, and, wow. and a family home. Wow. So, it's not it's not all, all just ex-offenders, but ex-offenders from all kinds of different backgrounds, and then people in recovery, women with domestic violence, women coming wow. out of prison, um, families that have fallen apart, families that need a fresh start. Um, it's grown just, it's beyond just men yes, coming the out of
0: So it's for those individuals who life has dealt them a horrible situation and either by virtue of their choice or circumstances they've had, and then you essentially helping them recover and restoring them back to society in a redemptive way. Is that kind of what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah. And every time we've opened a kind of a different house, a women's house or a women with children house, um, the opportunity came to To get a different to lease a different house, and we prayed and said, Lord, what should we do? Should we do this with this house? What kind of population? What kind of people can we help in this house? And the Lord just opens a door, like when we did our couple's house, we said, Should we do a couple's house? That's pretty difficult for a mom or a dad with children, or a mom and dad with a child, all in the same house. Um, It's a a ten-bedroom house. Should we do this? Would it be something you would want to us to help people with, Lord? And we had three phone calls that night for couples with children looking for a clean and sober house.
0: That's incredible.
1: A, a, a safe place. And so we've really followed the Lord's leading, and, and he's the one that's opened the doors.
0: Wow. And we had a chance to do a tour of your facilities. I think, was it two years ago or a year ago?
1: Yeah, about a year ago, I think. About a year
0: ago. And I tell you guys, an incredible facility. They're clean. I mean, shucks. I, you know, I was like, I, I would, I would want to live there. I mean, you, it couldn't, was,
1: you couldn't afford the rent, though, Patrice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and that's what I like, is that you're providing them with quality facility. And, and how important is that, Mike, in terms of that mindset of being in a place that looks, doesn't look like something for the least of these? How important is that for their recovery?
1: It's really important. We, we really want our houses to be clean. We want the people that live there to be proud to live there. And we want them to be able to bring a family member or um, their parole officer, or their their um, someone in, in their community that's important to them to visit the home and, and feel like they're proud of it to live there. And so we require people to go to meetings, we require them to work at a program of recovery, uh, and it's different for everybody, but a program of recovery to do house chores and to keep the house clean. Wow. It's, it's really important.
0: That's an incredible story. Yeah. Well, Pastor Mike, you know, um, you you did some incredible work, but it wasn't always glimmer and gold for you. No. Tell us kind of how you got into this.
1: So so I was in ministry before. Um, I came from a broken home, but ended up, you know, the Lord found me. And um, I was in ministry for 10 years, but I struggled with a secret sexual addiction that no one knew about and had to resign from the church because of that sexual addiction and um, ended up eventually losing my family and um, my children, they moved out of state. Um, And so I I turned to drugs and became a drug addict and um, off and on, (laughs) and after five years, I ended up homeless and without a place to live. And um, that was enough for me to be homeless to to uh, stop doing drugs and when i got into recovery um i had realized that i had believed a lie and the lie was that i didn't matter that god could never use me again because of my failure and because i had hurt some people and so um the the person asked me what the truth is and the truth is that i do matter and god can take any pain any kind of background he can restore anyone's life and um, and he can use me if I would be honest and open and transparent that he could use even my background and my failures to help other people. And so I began to believe and I began to, we we started a Celebrate Recovery and we started the church and the Lord gave me a vision to provide safe houses for people in recovery, to call the church actually to provide safe houses for people in recovery. And so I kept praying, Lord, what about the safe houses? What about the safe houses? And finally, one day, someone asked me if I'd like to to open this uh, safe house. And so we we walked through those doors, and we opened a safe house for people getting out of prison. And after 10 years, we knew that God was um, expanding that vision to do more housing. And so we started opening more houses and helping more people.
0: What an incredible story. So you were, you in a sense, the, the first product of your own ministry by the Holy Ghost.
1: Well, yeah, because if God hadn't healed me and restored my life, and it's a continuing restoration, there's still a lot of growth and restoration that's happening with my own children um, and family. But um, then, you know, it's, it's, it's very authentic. It's very grassroots. It's very genuine wow. Wow. that um, God, God heals our deepest wounds, and he, and he healed me. And mm-hmm. so the areas where I had a list of reasons why God could never use me again. And that list has become the strong points of how he uses me to help other people the most.
0: Wow, that's incredible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, Pastor Mike, um, obviously your story reveals that it can happen to any of us, right? Today, life is normal, but I, there's this book that I'm reading that I'm going to have the authors come to the studio called The Integrity Gap, and, and I'm having couples read it. They're actually local, uh, and, and that's essentially, you have this integrity gap, and many of us do, uh, but uh, for most of us, we don't get uncovered or we don't do things harmful enough for it to redeem us because the ruin of our lives sometimes what leads to redemption. So many of us are leaving coping with the integrity gap. Yes. So today life is normal, tomorrow falls apart because you're not dealt with that stuff. So when you think back at your, because you know, talking now to those of us who may, may right now be having something that we're managing or we're hiding, what would you say you should have done that you didn't do, that some of us should do now before we have to go through all that you went through?
1: So I struggled in isolation mm-hmm. and I struggled, and I struggled in shame. I didn't think anyone else had struggles and I thought I was the only one. And so there were, there were several opportunities that I had that the Lord gave me to talk to someone, to talk to a pastor, to talk to a friend, but I was too ashamed to, 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 to go to someone. And so because I didn't go to someone and because I, I lived in that shame and didn't reach out for some help and tried to do it on my own, I ended up falling and, and hurt other people. And so um, my suggestion would be if anyone is struggling with any kind of addiction, whether it's sexual addiction, integrity issues, affair, um, drug or alcohol, um, because people in the church struggle with that, um, reach out to someone, reach out to a pastor, reach out to a friend, reach out to someone in Celebrate Recovery in your community, because if you don't reach out, it's going to find you. Wow. It, you know, it'll always come out eventually. And so, and the consequences are way worse if it comes out without you bringing it out. Wow. Yeah.
0: So you talk to us about your own recovery. Take us back to that very moment where you, the Lord, there was sufficient grace at that very moment for you to respond. How was that like? So that how can because some of us may be at that place right now, we're wondering how did Pastor Mike make it out? Because that, that's hard, I mean, first it, it's, it's hard to to willing to lose what you got to get healed, right? Yeah. But then once you do, now it's now hard to climb up because we, as you said in your own story, we, we don't think we'll be received again. So how did you do, what advice can you give us?
1: it, whatever, whatever it takes, you're worth it. Whatever, whatever cost it is to deal with your things, um, to, to bring it out into the light and get healthy from it. It's worth it because the cost of not talking about it, of keeping it a secret is devastating. It hurts everyone around you. It hurts more people than you thought it would. The consequences last longer than you think it would. And, um, and, and they last longer than you think it would. My children still, to this day, twenty-nine years later, are have struggles because of my choices from a long time ago. And so it lasts a lifetime. If I would have gotten help, and if I would have stepped out of my fear, and and instead of you know hiding, then then I would have avoided a lot of pain for a lot of
0: people. Wow, that, yeah, that's some good advice. That's my. I'm not sure if this was your experience, but I would suspect that sometimes we, those of us who are healed or who don't have the issue or who are managing well, may sometimes make it difficult for those who either, you know, uh, reveal themselves or those who are struggling to to walk, to, to come up and be honest and transparent. So what can we do? What can those of us who are not going through it or don't think we are, yeah. to make it easy for those who come out? What, because what, what is that true that that there, these challenges exist in terms of how the church or society or individuals or families don't make it easy, and and so what can they do?
1: I think that it, it's really important that uh, people like yourself or other people that are like just in the church or in the community or in business are willing, become willing to admit and be a little more transparent with their struggles. Mm. You know, when they hear someone talking or they hear some other thing going on, they say to say, I struggle with that too. Or I struggle with something similar to that. Or I struggle with my own things that are just as equal to that. And so there's more of a realization that it's safe to not necessarily be okay. It's safe to have struggles. It's safe to... Be willing to come to someone and ask for some help, uh, or to confide in them. Because when I when I found out and I began to share the real me, afraid of rejection, what I found was acceptance. Wow. That everyone has things they struggle with on the inside that they don't talk about, and so um, you know the kind of thing we're doing in Celebrate Recovery it makes the church a lot safer place to admit that you have problems too. Or admit that you have struggles or doubts or worries or anxieties or fears or childhood trauma. um, People don't know that it's safe to share those things.
0: Oh, my Lord. Guys, I'm not sure about you, but this is good stuff um, because we all have our own vulnerability.
1: Yeah.
0: Us leading. And and I think part of the challenge, Pastor Mike, is that those of us as, as leaders, we have failed the people because we've led as though we never had issues and don't have issues now. We've led self-sufficiently. I mean, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, and the truth of the matter is, it's. Uh, I've I've worked with a lot of parole officers and other other leaders in the community, who um, who tell me that. People in recovery that have worked the 12 steps and have been through those kind of kind of things, they're actually a lot healthier than the people who, who are who seem normal mm-hmm. and, and have but haven't done that. Just because they're believers doesn't mean they're healthy.
0: Wow. And haven't wow. dealt
1: with dealt with things in their past.
0: Wow. Jennifer said the church is made of the broken, not the perfect, but we forget that too often.
1: Well, Absolutely. you know, a lot of Sunday morning churches. People come from all over the community and they dress well. They have nice cars. They have jobs. Um, Most, not everybody, but, you know, the general image is you wouldn't go to a, you know, the church on the corner and expect to see three or four homeless people sitting in the front row. Wow. They don't dress right. You know, they don't, they don't, they may not have a car. They might not be, have a place to live and they're, you know, they don't, might not have a job. And so most of the people in the church have a job, have a place to live seem pretty healthy and because they came to the church and they found the Lord, they, they're more positive and, and they just, ex, the church expects them. And there's kind of like this, well, once you found the Lord, then, then you're all good. Everything's good. And they haven't really gone through a process of getting healthy. And so, um, and you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, um, if the church could be more transparent and more vulnerable and open to helping the needy and the poor and the broken by admitting their own struggles more than the church would be a safer place.
0: Wow. We're talking to Pastor Mike, the founder and executive director of Free on the Outside, a recovery ministry for ex offenders and individuals going through life struggles, providing both church, place to worship, as well as housing and support as they seek to become free. On the outside, the premise is that you can be physically free, but yet still be bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bible teaches that whom the Son has set free, is free indeed. And He's really trying mm-hmm. to help us experience true freedom. I'm hoping that His ministry will grow to be even folks who have never had, you know, any alcohol, drugs, or, or prison. Because many of us, unfortunately, we are we are bound by our careers. We're bound by pride. We're bound by, by money. There's other stuff that binds us that we don't recognize that, um, that, that we need to overcome. Pastor Mike, let's land this plane for a bit. Um, okay. Let's conclude with the impact that you're having in the community. Okay. Uh, because you in Oregon, 180 families. Uh, first, before I, I get to that conclusion, let's talk about COVID-19 and how that impacted what you do and 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 the importance of what you what you do during COVID nineteen. Okay. Uh, the last, you know, twelve months or not eight nine months have been tough for the nation. For the world, I'm sure this population has struggled even more so. So yeah. so tell us about the impact COVID nineteen to your ministry and the relevance of what you do within COVID nineteen to, to that to this population.
1: Okay. Um. So COVID-19 has affected us. In the springtime, we had one of our houses come up with COVID-19, and before it was long story short, before it was all over with, 14 out of the 16 residents had COVID-19. Wow! And one ended up in ICU for 37 days on a ventilator, Um, but he survived. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of mixed messages with COVID-19. Our house manager, on his fifth COVID test, was finally diagnosed positive uh with covid and and he's he but he had gotten a ride to the hospital because he was sick and 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 he said well, well how am i supposed to get home now that i'm positive and they gave him a bus pass a public transportation bus pass to get home even <laughs> though he would just been tested positive
0: oh my um, <laughs> so wasn't that house it that it, house, it went from one to person be, to two people wasn't it safer for him to be to get a ride by somebody versus a bus pass where more potential.
1: I, be to- we were, we were, we were all in shock. We were all in shock. Um, so you know, the, the government as well as everyone else is learning more about the virus. And you know, that was in the springtime. Um, but anyway, 14 people in that house ended up eventually getting the virus. At first, people that got it were quarantined in a motel uh, with the county health reg- people getting involved. And then eventually, there was only two people in the house that didn't get the virus. Um, we've had, a, you know, our couple's house ended up with six out of no, seven out of six out of seven of the couples got COVID in one house. Um, and the most, you know, and, and it's affected some people's ability to pay rent. They can't find a job or they lost their job or they struggled getting employment. And so some of our tenants, um, got behind, um, with the rent, but, um, you, you know, even during COVID and the worst that it's been, um, we uh, and I had a heart attack in July and ended up with a quadruple bypass wow. We still opened we still opened eight more houses this year. Wow um, because there's such a need and we get calls every day for people looking for a safe place to live. We wow. have the original call that I got from the Lord was to call the church to provide safe houses for people in recovery and if we're ever going to become what I believe God would have us be, we need to partner with the church and ask the church to um, help us find homes, to open up homes, to provide s- local support for the in the community for, for, for people in recovery to find a safe house. Because there's a lot of government agencies and secular organizations out there that do, um, you know, that provide sober housing and things like that. But the church has such an opportunity to reach people for the Lord. Homeless people, people coming out of jail and prison, people coming out of relationship issues, people that come out of domestic violence. The church has such an opportunity to help people in their own backyard.
0: Wow. You know, yeah. you just gave me an idea, Pastor Mike. I'm I'm going to be doing uh, a two day B intensive with um, Manor House right here now oh. in the community. Oh, yeah. With a number of pastors. I, I'm going to play your video and, and I want to see if you're you schedule allowed to come with me one of the days and just to hear so that they can meet you because I would absolutely you, like that. You can inspire these, these churches to do something. What an yeah. incredible story. So even, so while they were behind rent and so forth, you've had to continue to preserve it because you can kick them out. Am I right?
1: We, we, we can't kick them out. We can't oh, evict yeah. anyone during COVID. Wow. And, well, we can't evict anyone for, for being behind on the rent. Wow. You know, if they leave the house or if they continue to use drugs or alcohol or if they punch someone in the face, you know, yeah. um, you know, we can we have to we can evict them, but we can't evict them just because they're behind on rent. And so, so we've had to, we have to continue to pay all of our bills.
0: So there have been a lot of financial pressure for you guys during COVID-19, but you you stay the course and, and better and continue to grow. So let's yeah. talk about the impact of what you're doing. So what's the impact both socially, economically uh, and financially to a city or a community or a nation with a program like, like what you do? In other words, what, what does that mean for us as citizens, as citizens, as government, and as a community?
1: It's pretty impactful when you get someone like Kenny, who's been in prison 36 years, and he's released to the streets and just left to fish on his own and find his own way. When he finds a stable place to live and a community of support, he ends up, you know, year after year now, he's been out over six years, um, being a healthy, um, tax paying, employed. Well, he's actually on disability now um, for some health issues, but um, he ends up being a productive member of community. Mm. And we, we have a number of people who have totally transformed their life. Uh, through a community of support and to, and through a safe house, that when they came through the doors, they were pretty broken and, and hopeless.
0: So there's a sense of both personal and spiritual rest- restoration, but also these people become productive, tax-paying citizens. Yes, in the community. So, so then some of them have even started their own businesses. Wow, they become entrepreneurs, job creators. Yes. So with that. Why aren't we doing more of it? Why? Why? And more resource if it makes it makes logical sense. What's the gap? What am I missing here?
1: Well, i i I think it's really hard for the church, and the community, to know what to do to help broken people. Wow. We see the need. We see it all around us. But it's really hard to know kind of what step to take. And so we've created a business that is, that is self sustaining, that's reproducible, that's a a good model for other for to 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 help more people.
0: Uh and and you are open to provide advice and guidance to others from other communities who may want to do this in their communities as well?
1: Yeah, we're we're right now we're meeting with Marion County uh to help open a a free on the outside house in Marion County. And the the local church in that community will be the hands on that will support that church that will you know, work with the house manager the day in, the day out. Provide discipleship and ministry support, and a in a program of recovery for that for the people that live in that house.
0: Pastor Mike, anybody watching or listening and they're saying, "I, I would like the support. I want to help this. I want to come alongside." How do they do that? Uh, who do they contact?
1: They can they could email us at admin at free on the
0: Awesome, admin at free on the And then or, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead
1: they could also go to the website and we have a, a push pay thing where they could donate. And then we, our information, their information would be shared with
0: us. Awesome. and we would,
1: You know, we'd reach out with a thank you letter and, 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 uh, and you are a
0: tax exempt organization, correct? Yes. Wow. That's powerful. I mean, think about yeah. it guys. Look, so this is a social entrepreneur by you su- supporting either by donating. Can they also volunteer if anybody has skills and expertise, they want to volunteer. Do you accept those as well?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Especially people that have any of the uh, construction skills, Mm. remodeling, things like that. We have quite a few volunteers who are just living our homes, who are looking for things to do to help us, but they need leadership. And so um, if, you know, some if we can get some volunteer, anyone with that kind of experience would be able to lead a couple guys to help, you know, build a room or um, help. Do some remodeling in one of the homes. That would be amazing.
0: If somebody we're, has a home that they may want to get a tax write-off, or, or that they, uh, you know, they they house and they can they, do you guys take those?
1: Absolutely. Um, we're looking for homes. We're looking for people who would be willing to buy a home, um, like former adult foster homes that are on the market are actually work really good. And then what if if we lease the house or if a house is donated to us, I would. Be, you know that's beyond our dream but to um, uh, provide more homes and what our organization does is we pay all the mortgage all the bills take care of all the taxes and um, and and all the repairs and maintenance and upkeep on the house other than major things like a new roof or something um, so we we take really good care of the properties and take care of all the bills at the property
0: that's incredible. What about cars somebody has an extra car? Do those help as well for you guys?
1: We have a lot of people in our program that rely on public transportation because they can't afford a car yet. So well, no. yes, yeah, we we yeah, we've given some away.
0: Listen, friends, if you're watching or listening and and you saying, Look, I'm looking for a ministry and organization where I can partner with this year to make a difference, um, reach out to Pastor Mike, call them, email them, go to their website and see what you can do. Add them to your You know, I I talk to uh, entrepreneurs that just as you have to have an investment portfolio, you also have to have a a giving portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. A portfolio of ministries and causes that you support. And that portfolio ought to be diverse, right? And so I'm not sure if you have a prison ministry or a recovery ministry in your portfolio. You know, you may have the MR project in entrepreneurship ministry. You may have uh, something else, a discipleship ministry. You may have, but you may not have a a um, a, a prison or recovery ministry in your portfolio. Reach out to, to to Mike and diversify your portfolio. I show you this, just like an investment, diverse investment portfolio always have the best return in the long term. So it is in giving. Diverse giving portfolios always have the best return in the long term. Hmm. Add free on the outside to your portfolio, whether you are in the U.S. or around the nation. You take foreign money, too, don't you, Mike?
1: I guess we do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, especially those in the Euros. Your your money is higher than ours if, you, <laughs> if you're if you in Europe. So reach out <laughs> to him. Uh, Pastor Mike, let's talk vision for a little bit and then we wrap up. Ten years from now, what do you see?
1: So one of the things I was going to say is that we once we have someone that has um, reached out to us and said, "Mike, would you like to lease this house?" Um, oftentimes they have more properties. And they, they and once we get in the home and they see how it works, they say, "Well, would you like to lease this other house that we have?" And so several of our many actually quite a few of our homes the owners have more than one property and we just continue to kind of grow by opening another one of their homes. 20 years from now, I can see free in the outside and it's kind of the vision the Lord has given me that there can be free in the outside homes sponsored by churches in local cities clear across America. There are or countries because we met people from different countries at Nehemiah. Um, There are celebrate recoveries all around the country, all around the world. Who work with people in recovery, who work with people coming out of jail and prison, who work with broken people for lots of various reasons, who are so open to help provide housing and a community of support for people in recovery across the nation that the potential for freeing the outside, connecting with other churches of faith, other communities of faith across the country, is is uh, is amazing. Wow. There's the you know there God could open doors. All across America for for this kind of support that people need.
0: Wow, that's incredible! And you know, uh, Pastor Mike, let's talk about jobs. And I do want to land here, as you know, we're about job creation. See, he's a biblical entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur, and one who's been redeemed himself, and now he's helping to redeem others. So, what what does that mean for job creation for your organization from the outside? Well,
1: we're not before I took be before I took biblical entrepreneurship training I had worked I had done the ministry as a volunteer and then part-time uh, and then uh, we were able to get a grant at about the same time in 2018 that allowed me to start doing it full-time but since then we've added two more staff Wow and we have another part-time staff and we're looking at needing more and that's why we're trying to develop some some more streams of funding because we want to provide more quality for the people that we live in, that live in our homes, and more staff, more job opportunities. Um, it's there's there's lots of job opportunities and work for this kind of ministry.
0: That's incredible. This kind of so not only helping individuals redeem their lives, but also creating jobs along the way. Shali uh, Shali Muraju, I hope I say the name right. Good morning. Thank you for watching. Uh, Pastor Mike, as we wrap up here, there are people watching and listening from around the nation, around the world, and um, as you know, they too are facing challenges with COVID-19, with, with in the U.S. social unrest, uh, political divide, economic challenges. Um, I want you to speak to two groups. The first group you speak to is those who may be struggling for something, whether they're down and out, they're struggling, they've had moral failure they're going through whatever the challenge is, they need recovery. Yeah. Um, what can you say to encourage them to, today?
1: That you matter, mm. you, you, you matter, every person matters. I believed a lie that I didn't matter and that made, made me believe that I that nothing good could come from, could come from my life again. And the truth is that I do matter. And if I matter, every person matters. So whatever it takes for you to get healthy, for you to get into recovery, for for you to get well, it's worth it.
0: Mm.
1: Go to go to someone, get some help, go to a celebrate recovery, go find a church, find someone that can be your sponsor, find someone that you can reach out to because there's your family and people in your community, you're they're depending on you. You could make a huge difference in other people's lives if you get well and you get healthy.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Lastly, Pastor Mike, there are those who COVID 19 just hit them hard. And they're believing God for a better 2021. What advice would you what would encourage me to give them? It's
1: gonna happen. COVID 19 will be a will be a memory. And God always brings um, good things out of difficult times.
0: Wow. Yeah. Pastor Mike, good word. By the way, how's your wife? She's good. Oh, congratulations! Well, she's not married yet. Oh, you're not, you guys. I thought you had a date. <laughs> it is.
1: It's in. We had to reschedule because of some health issues.
0: Oh, okay. Of course. Yeah, of course. yeah I,
1: I had don't... a. I had a. I had a. You know, quadruple bypass.
0: <laughs> ah, I'm so sorry. And
1: she, and then she just had a hip replacement. So oh, our wedding man. is set for July seventeenth.
0: Congratulations, my friend.
1: Thank you. When God's God
0: restores, good. He restores it all, doesn't He? Yes, he does. <laughs> Amen. Yes, he does. Pastor Randall Stanford said he's so proud of you what you're doing. You have some fans out there.
1: Yeah, Pat, mm-hmm. Pat, Pastor Randy is one of my biggest advocates, and he's helping coach me. And um, yeah, I love him.
0: Amen. And he was was he was he your trainer when be when you took the class?
1: He was he was involved with that. Yes,
0: he was involved. Yeah. One of the coaches. yeah, he
1: he had hope for me even when I didn't hope for myself.
0: Wow, look at <laughs> and, that.
1: And he, yeah, he he helped me coach a lot, especially like leading up to the competition and stuff. He was, he was there. And then uh, when I had my heart attack, he stepped in and helped lead the church when I was, when I was gone.
0: Look at God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's community. Well, Pastor Mike, we, we love you. Hey, uh, from time to time, we're going to have you back just to keep us posted on on how you're doing. Is that okay with you? Yes. If you want to move here. If you want more information about Pastor Mike and Free on the Outside, the the ministry that's providing both housing and support as well as a place of worship for those who are going through recovery, ex-offenders, you know, alcohol abuse, whatever, just life stuff, uh, go to freeontheoutside.org, freeontheoutside.org. There you'll learn more about their ministry. You can make a donation. You can reach out to them directly. And know how you can partner with them or you can connect with them to get the help that you need, or just some advice as to how you can start this kind of ministry in your community or in your neighborhood. Yes. This is good stuff. He's a biblical entrepreneur success story. What God has done. He's gone from two houses to 19 houses, from 30 residents to 180 residents, all of that in just three years. And he's gone from you know barely getting paid to now on staff, and now he's employed two or three other people, three and and a half other people, and he has a vision to grow. Let's come around him. With that said, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor, share it. Share it with your friends, with your family. You may know somebody in recovery, somebody who's facing challenges, or somebody who needs to be encouraged to know that no matter what their circumstance, it is possible for them that they can hear Mike Cross' story, and then to know that if God did it with Mike, He can do it with them. Share it with mm-hmm. them. Share it with them. Also, if you want to know more about biblical entrepreneurship, how we can come alongside you and provide you with training. Uh, maybe you have a business or looking to launch one or a ministry. Provide you with coaching. Come alongside you and help coach you to the next level, or access to capital. Provide you the financing to grow or launch your business visit our website at nehemiahproject.org or nehemiahecommunity.com, nehemiahecommunity.com, there you can learn about training, coaching, the capital, or how to become a part of our community, where in doing so, you're able to help us work with us to transform the world. And um, uh, Mike Jennifer says, "God bless you and thank God for you." And then I, I noticed you said, "Thank you, Jennifer." Jennifer Mike says, "Thank you." Uh, <laughs> so when you get I up, you can go ahead and put that on the on the Facebook chat. Wow, That's, what an awesome story!
1: One of the things about Nehemiah Project, the week we were there, I feel like I made lifelong friends. Amen, amen. amen.
0: It is a community, and brother, we 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 just love what you're doing. Well, with that said, Pastor Mike, now I pray for the people at the end, I want you to pray for them today because you have a recovery anointing. And as you pray, I'm believing God that that somebody right now is facing uh, life trauma, situation, whatever the case may be, or even if they don't know what they're facing, that God would reveal and mm-hmm. expose before their fall that they may find help. Could you pray for the people, Pastor Mike?
1: Sure. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you hear and answer prayer, and that we matter to you. And I just want to pray, Father, for if there's anyone out there listening to this podcast or or hear it in the future, that if they're struggling and they have uh, things they don't feel comfortable talking to someone about, that you would give them the courage and the grace to reach out and find someone they can trust, that they could um, confess their sin to to you and to themselves, which may be the hardest thing, and then reach out to someone else and begin to grow, begin to find a safe place, and to begin to get freedom and recovery. And, and, and Lord, I pray that you will open doors, literally open doors for people in recovery across the world, that you would open up homes, that you would open up communities, that you would open up opportunities uh, for people to make a difference in their life, Bringing your children home, bringing them home from behind the prison wires and jails, bringing them home out of addiction and out of recovery, out of horrible relationships, out of domestic violence. Provide a safe place for them to get healthy and change their life and then turn around and give it back and help uh, bring your children home. Ultimately, Lord, we're going to be in heaven and this time on earth is going to be over and there's going to be lots of people in heaven. That got there because someone reached out to them and helped them find recovery. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thank you.